Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Makers, Episode 1. Build it. Break it. Learn. I got it. I got it, guys. Ain't you happy? We're happy. Good, good. Um, Joy, joy. That might be trademarked. Um, This is a show all about making. Uh, The first primary goal in this show is honestly to bring me up to speed on uh, 3D printing, the terms, the tech, the how-to, the what-ifs, the what you should do, what you need to do, and you know, getting everything up and running. Uh, we are going to extend it into further topics in like in-depth CNC machines and complete IoT solutions, and maybe even solutions that might save your life someday. Uh, you can subscribe to this on podnuts.com, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z.com. We will have uh, things coming in the future to uh, Patreon to YouTube, to Instagram, to other all kinds of other things. And the only way to be fully aware of them is to check out the notes. In any mobile podcasting player, all you got to do is keep clicking on the show itself or on the icon of the show, and you will be led directly to the notes. Full of chalk, chalk full of good links and good stuff like that. Uh, I am joined this week by Aaron. How's everything going, man? Great, great. Helps if I hit the right key. Um doing great today um yeah so i i have to ask you has anything in the last week happened that uh is either cool different you learned something bought something broke something learned something um let's see learn today um on how to pause add g code to my uh my file and uh change filament out and uh print uh two color uh, process Okay, G-code is the, the final thing right before it actually prints. So you insert, you basically open up it like in a text file? Uh, kind of, sort of. There's uh, like on, so my slicer is Simplify 3D, and in one of the tabs you can enter certain parts of G-code into it if you would like to do... Um, do certain things, you know, add like, like stop the fan, start the fan, um, change filament. So like the change filament, you know, you pause the print, you have it move over to the home location. It hangs out there until, um, you change the filament out. Once you change the filament out, you hit resume on your printer and, uh, it continues right where it left off, except in a different color. And uh, you do, you know, once you punch this into your Simplify 3D or, you know, other slicer program, you save that file and it automatically has that built into that file. Very cool. So this is like working around not being able to uh, get the advanced head filament thingy with multiple threads already in them. Yes, that's correct. That's awesome. That's a nice little workaround. Um, Chad, uh, how's everything going, man? Well, everything's good on my end here, Dor. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you're physically uh, moving stuff from one area in your uh, property to another. So I, I wouldn't expect you to have a lot of uh, activity going on, but something tells me you still did stuff. Yeah, I uh, doubled my shop space by removing part of a wall and adding another room to my shop space. And uh, I was uh, printing some spacers to level out the bed on my mostly printed CNC and made a 
first real cut with it. Just did some circles basically right now, but I've been uh, working on a code to do a clock for somebody. So, and that'll be done in wood. So, so you removed the wall. So you did some sub subtractive creation. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can go that route, I guess. Yeah, sure, so- sure. Very cool, very cool. Um, and yeah, the, this mostly printed CNC. I think one of the things I'm learning is after you build it up into its unit, you still need like risers on each leg. Yeah, so you determine the uh your working height by the legs, how high you put your legs, how tall they are, and by how much Z travel you add into it. Yeah. Right, and Z is the height. So what this gives you the availability of is to actually print deeper than the legs itself so you can like expand it. And like maybe give you give you like a buffer room. Well, yeah, you can put like I've got my legs are quite longer than what they need to be because I'm building building it up on a table, but then I have a wasteboard that's elevated that's hopefully get a couple different wasteboards that I can if I want to put one on top of there that's T-slotted or whatever, I can do that without losing too much height. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Uh, we're also joined by Rich. Uh, how's your thing going, man? Good. And, and, you know, thanks for the podcast because I realized I, I was kind of bummed about one or two things. Then I went back uh, a week and look at, looked at what I've been up to, and I've got some cool stuff. I have one original design that came out stink near perfect uh that was the case for the upboard squared and the only thing i would add to it would be like a the reset button right now it's kind of a paper clippy thing which kind of sucks but um that that would be would be the only improvement i and i have a couple of other semi-original designs uh one was the dslr shoulder rig that i i printed out a while ago i printed out the final few parts and I shipped it off to my nephew uh, today, so he's going to get that Monday. And then the last thing was, uh, like, I'll do tabletop review type videos. And I made a slug for my tripod, and it uses the half-inch EMT, which is a kind of a standard cast member in a lot of my projects, and uh, that I can mount my phone to to do the video. So I have the arm over it as opposed to kind of straddling the tripod. And, you know, that just makes the video easier to do as opposed to, you know, working around a tripod that's next to you. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to ask, does it help with uh, stability and um, like, can you move and it not always be translated to the camera or is it um, stability and like comfort? No, basically it's like a selfie stick, you know, for the Uh most part. So, uh, yeah, there's no stability whatsoever involved in it. But the other cool thing you can do with it, as opposed to like a tracking shot with a camera dolly, you can do that rotational uh, swing over something. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, I will say the upboard case, last week you were in the creation process, and if I'm not mistaken, you were pretty giddy at the speed of a development to getting it done. Well, there, I, there was someone that was saying the tool I use is for like eight-year-olds. Well, no, it's just b- more beginner-friendly. We got to put positive spins on these. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's okay because let me tell you something. You give the right person basic tools, and they can do stuff that I know I can't do with basic tools. You ever watch the Seinfeld episode where Seinfeld uh, Kramer's doing karate? Oh, uh, actually, I don't remember that one. 
Yeah, he, he was like talking about how great he is at karate, but he's in a karate class with a bunch of like eight-year-old kids. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so. So I no am, wonder he was doing good. Yes, and I feel the same way. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Do we, we all do whatever we got to do to feel better. Um, so when you printed the upboard case out, you were satisfied with it. Were there any tweaks you had to go back and uh, change, modify, destroy? Okay. So, uh, actually, no change, modify, and destroy. Like I said, the only thing I would change is I would somehow work in a reset button. Uh, I might have to open up the hole a little bit and just put, like, a plug, or I might just, uh, like, cut a tab in the case so that that's what you push. Uh, the only kind of curveball I got on this was the 3D model that they gave me for the board that's going to be contained in the case didn't include the heatsink. So I didn't know what the heatsink was going to be like until I got it. So that I had to, you know, model and do. And uh, it was so really what was going to be the top of the case ended up being the bottom of the case. And that uh, where the heatsink is, I made a grilled lid for it and uh, just fit real in, in real nice. I was very happy with it. And in fact, so happy, I am not taking it apart. I've got the, the upboard running. It's part of my system now, my daily driver. Very cool, very cool. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Jonas. How's everything going, man? Okay, it's possible. Time travel hasn't caught up to Hawaii yet, so Jonas, hopefully join us. Uh, we're also joined by Liam. How's everything going, man? Hey, hey, sir. Things are going great. I sure can't complain. <laughs> Um, we were hit with a tornado over the weekend that caused lots of havoc for lots of people. And short of being out of internet at my home, you know, I can't really complain too much. Well, I'm happy you're okay. And I, I'm happy all the damage you told me about was it, at least wasn't catastrophic, it, it, except for that one aerial picture you showed me that was uh, of some uh, like plant, maybe? Yeah, there's a couple silos in town that. Resemble a uh, res <laughs> they resemble a set of boobs from the sky, and uh, oh, that so was an actual picture. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that was here. Yeah, that, I, I thought it was thing. Photoshop or something. No, no, that that happened here. Um, well, I guess I better explain now. Um, so they look like a pair of boobs, and one of them's collapsed. And the uh, the caption says, I, "I knew there was a twister coming, but I wasn't told that it was a titty twister or something but to that effect." Dumped. Yeah. Okay, well, something broke around you, but did you build something or learn something? Oh, yes and yes. Or did you want me to go on? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been doing the same thing as Aaron, uh, messing with multicolor prints from one extruder, both in a flat style, so multiple colors on the same layer, and then multiple layers, or multiple colors as you change layers. Um, different methods for each, but it's been fun to mess with. We should have pictures representing both on the Instagram page, which, hey, we have Instagram. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a link in the show notes to a beautiful YouTube video um, showing what it, it, this guy has it dialed in amazingly well. It looks like cell shaded or cell, yeah, cell, cell shaded animation. Um, just just beautiful. I'd love to see somebody animate an actual cartoon or video in that style. That would be insane. Well, yeah. Now, here's I'm 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 having trouble coming up with a term to call this. Do you, is there a term for this? Not that I'm aware of. Um, 
maybe that's what we do this week. Let's let's name that that printing technique. Yeah, that process. Uh, I'll say no to that. Um, what I what okay what what I'll say is it's almost like you're printing a sheet of plastic, like literally like a sheet of paper, but it's plastic. And because you're doing multicolor, it literally looks like you like with this guy printed Homer Simpson drooling over a donut. I'm guessing that's where Rich got the donut fix from. Um, and it looks like they literally have like a poster and they cut out Homer's head. That's how freaking good this thing looks. Um, it is the kind of thing I literally wouldn't have even thought uh, imagined was even possible or doable. But but one question I have now that I have time to think about it since Aaron first talked about it. Is there is this time sensitive when it stops for you to change the filament? Like if you wait too long to change the filament, will it not uh, like join correctly? No, it'll totally work no matter how long you wait with the caveat that you don't have a thermal runaway or some other error that occurs. But even if you do, as long as you're able to go back in the G code and tell it where to pick back up, the print hasn't moved on the actual bed at all. So as long as your end stops for homing things are correct, you can pick right back up. Um, matter of fact, I had that happen today. I was working on my uh, business hour sign, which I printed out, which, again, is on the uh, Instagram feed. And uh, I had a, a failure of some sort. I think it was the, the heated bed drawing too much power again and causing a reset. So I just went in, modified the G-code, and told it to pick back up, and it did. Yeah, this, and it's almost crazy, okay? Um it seems almost a little bit flexible, a little bit pliable too. And because the bottom of it is with the way that at least you guys are printing it is coming off of a sheet of glass. The opposite side of it is like perfectly sheen. Like it to me looks like the kind of thing you could literally slap against a window and it might actually stick by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as long as you have a good, clean, flat surface, it comes off looking like it was drawn on a piece of transparency film. And then the opposite side, because you would mirror it if you wanted the clean side to be the, the nice, shiny side, is a more matte, and you get to see the, the layer lines a little bit better. Liam, is that a single layer? Is which one a single layer? The Homer Simpson. Yes, that's a single layer. It's crazy. How do you get it off without like destroying it? Just like you would any other print. Um, a single layer print, as long as it goes down and adheres correctly to the other layers and lines... No, no problems. I mean, they're good and flexible. This is almost amazing. Uh, one of the ideas Liam had was like how I always thought one of the things I always thought I would do with my printer. And I don't know if the correct term is this either. Uh, like challenge coins, like printing something small, may, maybe coin shaped with a little bit of three dimensional stuff in, in it and then hand it out at conferences. But Liam is saying what I should do is print out like pod nuts bucks. Um, uh, the only thing I worry about is the size of it and the flex, like if I print it out a little bit too big, somebody might try to fold it and put it in their pocket. And I'm pretty sure you fold it. It's going to break. Yeah. I think that's going to depend on how dialed in the printer and what filaments are, are, are used for it. Some filaments are more or less flexible and would handle it just fine. But if it's something we're going to carry around in our wallets, we can just make it credit card size. So you just slide it in next to another card. Very true. Very true. That's a 3d printed business cards. Oh, giddy, giddy, giddy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's already a thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, that 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 right there is a really good idea. But can you do a QR code on that? Of course you can. Why not? Multicolor extrusions? Heck yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, QR codes are uh, it, 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 uh, tolerant. There's a lot of tolerance baked in to QR codes. So even if it doesn't come out perfect, it will still pick it up just fine. Now, <clears throat> Liam, you guys are doing this with your Simplify 3D, right? Yeah. Um, so the two methods for the, the single layer one, it's just multiple G codes. And whether you use Slicer, Cura, Simplify 3D, you're just lining them up in order and telling it either tool change to then jump to the next G-code with a filament swap in between, or you're just running them sequentially, whatever floats your boat, whatever works best for you. But I'm not getting how you do the color separation. So, for instance, the Homer, that's six different actual STLs. That I counted you, five. You, where's... Just the different colors. You got black, white, blue, brown, yellow, red. Oh, the red. Brown. Okay, I didn't count the brown. But yeah, so you have the multiple files that you align, and then you just process each one with the appropriate color. Or it didn't matter what color you, I mean, you. When I did it, I saved them out with a color name along with the whatever I was actually printing. So like the Batman, I did Batman yellow, Batman black. So I knew when I was switching which went where. Um, for doing the doing them at different layers, like on my business hour sign, the first two millimeters is the white. The next 1.2 millimeters is that blue. And so um, on that one, the, the code that I sent you guys, which we can include in the show notes, that's no big deal, um, tells the machine to go park the head and then wait until you tell it to continue. And then when the head's parked, you just go in and do a manual filament change. You go over to your, your printer or Octoprint, whatever interface you're doing to control the thing. And until it resume, it starts picking back up at the next layer with the new color. Okay. Now, you did that all manually. Um, there is an add-on for Octoprint. I haven't used it yet, but I am thinking about giving it a test. Um, multicolor printing add-on. And what that does is the same thing. You, you tell it, you know, at this G-code, you know, at this height, this move, go ahead and move over and stuff, and it does it all within Octoprint. Yeah, and I loaded that one up and tried it. Um, I prefer just to have it all done in one location, um, but everybody has a different workflow and way they want to do things. So, you know, it's 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 whatever floats your boat on these, right? Right. And I'm not saying it's the right way to do it or anything like that. I'm just saying that there is other options than that. And like everything, there's always other options, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you could go so far as to just enable your filament sensor. Most filament sensors trigger a, um M600 code when it's uh, triggered low. I believe default high means filament's present. That's going to, again, park it, wait till you tell it to continue. So you can just walk over and uh, hit the filament sensor. It thinks it's out of filament, parks the head, and you just do a change manually like that. So, I mean, there's a ton of options. Okay, um, okay, here's my quick question. So, it, to me, it looks like there's actually multiple ways you can do this. I'm going to try to use a term that I don't know is the, if it's accurate. But in on shape, then what I'm looking, that I'm thinking is I basically do what's almost a two-dimensional thing with just a little bit of height to it. And I can do what's like, I believe they call a assembly, where I could have my different parts and preview the assembly all compiled. Like for your Batman logo, you have the outer ring. You have the middle-ish yellow one. Then you have the middle 
black bat shape. So they could be three separate things. And when in on shape, you can have a assembly where they're all three to all three in one view. So you can verify they all easily fit together. But then you could actually take each one of those separate components, push them out separately as separate files. And you could just say, print this file and then not take it off the bed, change the filament, print this file, not take it off the bed, change the filament, print that file and get the same results maybe. That's exactly what I did with the uh, the Batman. And it's only two files. But yeah, same thing. And there's no reason after that you can't have a, an, another file that prints on top of the two of them. So then on one side you have the two color on the back side. I don't know, maybe you build in a buck, belt buckle. Uh, yeah, the, and like one of the ideas going through my head is buying blank mask. Just a blank mask. Printing it out, and then you're going to have to print it out the right shape, which is going to require a little bit of distortion. So you can literally, on Halloween time, give your kid any mask they desire by just overlaying it and just sticking it on a like blank template of a mask. Or you just print out the whole mask. Or you just 3D scan yeah, your kid's yeah. face. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of crazy stuff, and I really don't want to use that word loosely. This is the kind of crazy crap you can print and no one around you would even imagine it's even plausible or possible. And then you have to like convince them, no, 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 I 3d printed this myself. And the amount of stuff you can do that's actually useful, like, you know, like a sign for your shop or even just in your front window saying happy holidays or no loitering or whatever. Well, exactly. I mean, you'll hear people saying, Oh, 3d printers are just for toys and trinkets and stuff. But to be honest, I use mine for a lot of stuff. I mean, it's it's all in your imagination if you want to take the time and do it. And I just want to chime in. I we, we had talked about this offline or off the podcast, and the majority of things that I print are functional. They, they fill a need, fulfill a purpose. They do something for me or make my life easier somehow. Yeah, and, but I will say, Chad, every time you say imagination, I picture SpongeBob with his hands over his head. Imagination. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. So I apologize. Um, I And I will come clean to the audience, completely clean. This is a confession. Forgive me, audience, for I have sinned. Um, I actually purchased my last, before the last episode, I actually purchased a printer. And then after the show, Liam said to me, I don't understand what you're doing, Dor. You purchased the damn printer. And now you're saying... You you don't want to build it. You do realize what you purchased you have to put together. Yeah, that was good for a chuckle. Yeah, and I didn't. I really didn't. I really thought it was going to come assembled. And then he said, look above it. And it says the word kit. Oh, 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 okay. I figured for 700, I believe it was 700 plus dollars or 699 plus whatever, whatever, whatever. It would have been assembled. And then I went and looked at the assembled one. The assembled one was nearly, I believe, $200 more plus an extra like $150 shipping. Oh, yeah, because it's a bigger box. So I canceled my order. Now, here's the thing. I still honestly believe in supporting a company like Prusa whenever possible. You don't support these things just to support them. You support them when it makes sense for you as a consumer and it, and when they offer something that makes sense to you as a provider. Um, I canceled my order. I just flat out canceled it. They were unbelievably nice about it. 
uh, they were very quick to sh- to uh, confirm to me that it was canceled. In normal business things, it takes you know days for the actual refund to go through. So I was fine with that. So and both of these links will be in the note for the proof of that I ordered and then cancel and then um uh then the correct one that I ordered, which is actually the CR10, which we will talk about. But first, I totally missed Jonas. Uh, uh, popped in. How are you doing, man? Very well. I'm printing stuff right now, actually. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, same question. Well, first off, how is it uh going for you th- this week? Have you been busy? Have you been stressed, or has it been good living? Oh, it's a busy work week. Servers to fix, websites to update, all kinds of good stuff. There's a lot of stuff that can break when you do that. So that was a horrible attempt at a transition. So did you break? So did you build anything, learn anything, or break anything this week? Well, I learned I should have bought the Titan extruder part to go with my J J head. But other than that, pretty good. I haven't really been working on building things, just uh, getting out the work so I can do stuff on the weekend. Okay, can I ask you, what is a Titan extruder and what could it have done that you uh, now miss? Well, there's the extruder and then there's the hot end. And the extruder pushes the filament into the hot end so that you can print stuff. And so I purchased the hot end section, but I did not purchase the part that forces the stuff through. So I'm printing one instead. Oh, isn't that nice? So, I mean, having both the E3 and the Titan, what does the Titan specifically add that your current extruder does? It just that they mount up together more easily and take up less space or or what? Or did you want the... Uh, Gear reduction. Well, I got the hot end. I got two different hot ends, um, hopefully to do a little higher temperature printing. So it's all metal, um, and it's got better uh, uh, thermocouple, I guess you call it, whatever the heater is. Um, That's pretty much it. And then the other part is just so that I can be able to force things into the hot end. So kind of need both parts to make a 3D printer. Well, you already have an extruder, though, right? What what uh, I guess what printer was this going on? I do, but I don't have a printer I can put a J head directly into. So they're the uh, the old Prusa style, so I've got to have something I can connect the J head to. Okay, so you just wanted the simplicity of the the built-in mount on the uh, the Titan, right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, and, well, I'll say at least you can print one out. Uh, do you know roughly how long that's going to take? Because looking at a picture of the uh, E3D Titan Universal Extruder. It 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 doesn't look completely uh simple. Well, I've got uh, the gears are taking an hour. Looks like it's actually going to be an hour and a half. I spent a couple hours printing everything you screw the things into, and then another hour printing the uh, the spring loaded portion for the gears. Um, so pretty much a day. Okay, and what material are you, are you printing that with? I'm trying ABS just because I have a roll of gold and I wanted to try it out. But and, uh, and ABS is be 240 degrees C. Yeah, I'm doing 243 to start, and then 238 after the first couple of layers. Uh huh. Gotcha. Well, and I will say the one plus that I think I've learned from this show: the plus, the big plus to printing it yourself is if something then breaks days, weeks, months down the road, 
you can look at it and you can print the part that broke. If yeah, yeah. Exactly. Very cool, very cool. Um yeah, when in future episodes we're going to get into all the not all though because it's going to be way too many but the different types of upgrades you can do because that's one of the biggest things i think about these things is the upgrade ability um it's literally like like we all at one point in time dreamed about completely modular computing or phones or something like that where you can easily take pieces off and just upgrade them at will um and that's what desktop computers basically gave to us, where at any point in time, you can pull out a hard drive, you can pull out a video card, upgrade the sound card or whatever, and just keep moving forward. That's one thing that I do see that these 3D printers do offer you at any point in time. There's any one thing you can look at from any angle on that printer and say, you know, I'd like to upgrade this. Sometimes you can print it. Sometimes you have to buy it. But I do I do think that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so I bought instead the... Creately 3D CR10 desktop DIY DIY printer. Man, I can't even say that right. Um, normal price for this, I want to say, it was four hundred and seventy-four dollars. So much less than the Prusa i3, but it it's on sale for right now for three eighty-nine. And there will be a link in the notes. Uh, Liam found a YouTube video where the guy linked to a um, coupon code. Which literally brought it down to three eighty six. So virtually half the price of the um, of the uh, Prusa i three. Virtually half the price, uh, and I'm going to get it delivered quicker. At least that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm getting it quicker. It is technically, I believe, a kit, but it's literally only like two or three pieces. Uh, to where even someone with as little mechanical skills as I should be able to put it together during like a lunch. Yeah, what you what you're getting is a fully assembled top half and a fully assembled bottom half, and then you're just connecting the two halves together, and connecting the wires, and they're all labeled and they come out of a separate box, which I like. Right, and I'll say now what I'm not getting because it costs so much less money. I I am actually getting less because I'm paying less because sometimes you do get what you paid for. I what I am getting is a lot less of the. Uh, finer points, a, a, a lot less of the l- little n- n- niceties that make the Prusa, I don't want to say idiot-proof, but to where you can even build it, uh, Aaron said, like incompetently, like completely incompetently, not squared, not straight at weird angles, but the damn thing has so much smarts built into it, it will like self-correct, self-adjust, and still print perfectly fine. Yeah, with its auto-bed leveling and stuff, it would, you know, it 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 does all that stuff, but for a few bucks you can add that on to your printer. I mean, twenty dollars for a sensor and an hour or so of messing around with some code. Yeah, definitely. The I, I dropped a link in the chat here. If uh, any of you guys are interested in this, um, we'll, we'll have the Gearbest as link as well for for the China shipping. But for a few bucks more, you can get it stateside delivered from um, Texas. There's a guy, Tiny Machines 3D, that's ordering these in huge bulk and then going through and fixing all the he He's inventorying them and, and uh, QCing them and doing testing and everything on them. Um, he also offers upgrades, offers assistance and uh, support with them. So if you have questions, problems, you can give him a ring, get a hold of him. Um, 
pretty good price to be able to get that in states and know that you're going to have some support and that the thing's going to be out of the box okay. So you do have options there as well. And, you know, with the support thing, um, there is becoming more of a community around the CR10 and the YouTube channels and stuff. There's so many people are reviewing it. And I thought this was a new printer, but it's not even that new. It's just that the prices came down so much on it that um, it's become a hot commodity now because the price is so reasonable for that large of a build volume. How long has that printer been out, uh, Chad? I don't know exactly, but I somebody was reviewing it and said that they, they had looked at it in the past and... Um, it, the price was up there pretty high and that now with the price drop, the drastic price drop, that it's become, you know, more affordable for people. Yeah, the first I, time I heard about it a couple months ago, I mean, the price was, geez, I don't know, $700, maybe $600. Right. And when I say it's been around for a while, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a few months. I'm not. I guess I shouldn't say it's been a while around for a long time, but there is things with it. I know that it runs an older version of Marlin on it and it's the upgrade to a newer version is a little more complicated, but it's definitely doable. It's going in and you'll have to, uh, you gotta get a, uh, what is it? A USB to TTI or whatever it is. Um, uh, converter for it to program TTL. it. TTL, that's it. Um, to do the programming. So it's not as simple as the newer boards. And it is, it's not an obsolete board that's in there. It's just an older version. So, but I'm confident that Door, or, you know, we can help him through that if he wants to upgrade the firmware. Yeah, I looked up that machine. Um, I actually bought one also just to compete with door. Um, but you can upgrade the firmware. The trick is it doesn't have a bootloader. So you've got to use an Arduino or one of those TTL converter things to uh, install a bootloader. Then you can flash the firmware like any other board. So you can go build your Marlin firmware at one of those online firmware builder places and upload it just like you can most machines. And if you don't want to do that, again, um, an option for a couple bucks from Tiny Machines is he will flash the bootloader so that you can do that. Very nice. Uh, now, the dumb question is, when, when because I will, uh, get a Raspberry Pi 3 load Octop- Octoprint. It's, I always call it Octopi, but it's Octoprint onto it. Um, does it interface with the software and the board that's already in it? Or when I do the Raspberry Pi thing, does it overtake the board that's in it? It doesn't interface. It does interface with that board. So it, instead of reading, it treats it like it's um, an SD card. It, it, it pushes the code to it from the Octoprint, pushes the code, and it reads it line by line through, like, it'd be like you manually inputting in a command line everything but the Octoprint does that for you. Yeah, it is essentially a print server. So as opposed to your Xerox printing something from the hard disk that you've saved in there, uh, form-wise, you're just logging into the print server and sending the jobs there. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so then there is going to be a benefit to upgrading it. And I will say, I do like the, I really do like the idea of the guy in Texas doing the niceties, doing the hand-holding, doing the QA to these devices. Because um, I will say, there are more than a couple people that I've spoken to that have never heard of GearBest and are, like, almost wary of it. Like, how everyone is now uh, conditioned to buy everything from Amazon or from Walmart or well-known websites. And when they hear a new one, they get a little hesitant I will say GearBest, I bought more than a couple of things from in the past, uh, so I didn't really have any problem buying from them. Okay, so minimal, minimal construction building kind of thing. So I, I, I mean, I'm not going to have a problem with that, but the, here's the real question. I already have a physical area determined where I'm going to put this. Um, a lot of people, I, I think, uh, don't really know where they're going to put it, and they just buy it, and then they figure out later. But I'm going to put mine in my garage. Um, my garage, it also gives me an excuse to try to clean the garage up a little bit and straighten it up because we don't put cars in it. Um, but now the real question is what is all the different, now, if you guys had to prioritize, you know, what would you say is the one thing if we, if we just had to say with starting with one, what's the one thing everybody who buys a 3d printer should also get to go with it. And I categorize this as the supporting hardware, the hardware around the hardware. Well, I mean, it's not hardware that supports the hardware per se, but a fire extinguisher along with a uh, fire alarm that you have in close proximity to it is just a must. Don't even don't even question it. Okay. Well, I will say I don't. I have fire uh, smoke alarms, fire alarms in the house. They're all interconnected. I honestly don't believe there's one in the garage. So I'll get, I have to get a separate one for them. Now, as far as fire extinguisher goes, I know there's different uh, classes. Like I believe it's A, B, A, B, and uh, all these letters. Do you know off the top of your head which one should be uh, the one I have to get? I, I just went and got an ABC. It's a general. It's, you go to Walmart and I just bought a, I don't know, it's maybe nine inches tall um, one for by mine. And that'll do electrical, um, uh, regular wood fires. Uh, I think it even for for combustibles, but I'm not sure. But it it, it it's fine for what you would fires you would have with uh, printer. Okay, so I drove with the Porsche Club at track events, and all of the people in the cars see. Different fire extinguishers, a lot of the fire extinguishers you get, the lower end ones, are some sort of powder. And if you shoot that off in your car, you're never getting it out. You're basically destroying the car. So um, what a lot of places, data centers do this. Uh, they do halon. Uh, halon's okay, just don't be in the room and breathing it. Uh, but they, it, since it's a gas, it leaves no mess. Right, but you can't. you shouldn't be spraying that anywhere where you're going to be for any amount of time and that's going to be in your house or even in your garage. I don't know if that's such a safe idea. Yeah. I'll say at my job, one of the things that uh, you have to be told of and sign off on that, you know, is that if you hear the fire alarm going off, you basically have 30 seconds to evacuate this one floor. And if you don't good luck, nice knowing you because Halon sucks all the oxygen out of the air and you, you, you be dead. Get out if you want to live. Get to the chopper. Yeah, standard ABC, cheapo. Um, that way it covers kind of everything. 
that you might encounter because you're going to have regular combustibles. I suppose if you're printing with ABS, you could get something that melts down and becomes um, uh, more petroleum-based, even though ABS isn't really petroleum-based. And then, of course, the electrical. So ABC is what you want for that. And I've, I've been in a vehicle moving when my gunner stepped on our uh, extinguisher that was in there. Just all I got to see is purple dust everywhere. It was horrendous. <laughs> okay, well, then, okay, then here's my logic. In my garage, right by the door going into the garage, boom, there's where the fire extinguisher is going to go. Um, smoke alarm, my logic is anywhere above it will be fine. It doesn't have to be like in the in uh, closure. It just needs to be above it. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but I did put mine in my enclosure. I stuck mine right above the print head, right above the printer. I mean, it's five inches from the printer. And uh, that way it's, it's, I don't know, it's there in case maybe I'll hear it sooner. It won't have to spread to the rest of the house. Yeah, and anytime you have a uh, something you've, <laughs> you worry that may ignite or become a source of ignition... You don't want an extinguisher right next to it, because if it's right next to it, it it's not going to do any good if you can't grab the thing, because there's too much fire. Good, 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 good point, yes. Right, like my extinguisher is right by the door. When you walk into my shop, it is the first thing you see. So, I mean, you if you can get the door open, you're going to get to the extinguisher. And of course, I guess rounding out this whole thing, if you have other people in the area, make sure they know where the extinguisher is and a general idea of how to use it. Good, good point. I got kids. I got to make sure they know it. Um, I'm going to throw out there the one thing that I'm going to call necessary for my needs. Uh, and I'll say this. There's a whole community out there of people that just do what's called I, um, I, Ikea hacks. Um, my logic is you shouldn't really put this 3D printer on the floor. You always should have it at least elevated just so when you need to work on it, it's you don't have to bend over. You don't have to lay on the ground to work on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get LAC tables, L-A-C-K. Um, if you just put in the internet, in any search engine you want, or Instagram or any of these things, LAC hack or I or I, I am um, IKEA hack, you will find people turning these $9 side tables. And if you get the right color, I want to say they're down to like seven bucks. Uh, turning these lack tables into like server racks and all kinds of different things without any really complicated work going in it at all. So I'm going to get a couple of these lack tables, side end tables, and either build them up or build a square of them or something to put the 3D printer on top of just so it's off the ground. Yeah, definitely having things at a comfortable working height is useful. I've, I've done both the on a table and on the ground thing. I really like having it on the ground for two reasons. One, stability, and two, typically the floor is not flammable, but the trade-off just was not worth having to get down on the on my hands and knees to, to get to the thing or work on it. I, it's back on the table now. Yeah, you definitely got to be able to access it, you know, because there's going to be changing filament. There's a lot of stuff you got to do to them, you know. So accessibility is the key on that. So, yeah, build something that's comfortable to your, you know, work height. I usually sit in a chair when I do all my stuff, so mine's just on a desk, you know. I have my rolling chair. I roll around the shop in my rolling chair and do everything there, so. 
And I would also add, if you have the room, make sure you can get behind the table to work on the back side or the opposite side as well. Um, that can make life easier. Ah, gotcha. Or make the table easily movable, you know? Um, I find I have to move mine. Like, when you first get it and you're doing upgrades to it, you're going to be getting around to the backside of it quite a bit. You're going to be doing stuff like that. And it does, if you can get to it without having to move it, it's it's better. Because every time you move it, you you run the chance of knocking it out of alignment or having to re-level the bed, you know. So the more stable it can be, the better. Okay, yeah. And to be honest, now that you guys say that, it's exactly like a server rack or a uh, switch closet thing. You know, I don't even know what it's called inside of it rooms you all you, there there seems like there's always at least two feet around so even the larger text can get to all sides of it very easily pull components out push components in check cables things like that so that makes a hell of a lot of sense because i ain't gonna lie i was thinking putting the tables there and i don't want to say having it against a wall but having it like right there but now i'm thinking that that's really damn dumb um the other thing i'm thinking is um while this printer does have a built-in filament holder it only holds one filament um my logic is especially to do like the filament changing i want to make that as seamlessly as the process as possible so i'm i don't know i'm thinking about not using that built-in filament holder or having a secondary one somewhere right there next to the physical printer but let's not lose sight any other pieces of hardware objects kind of thing well uh liam you have the um uh plant thingy tent right yeah i have a grow tent that i'm using as a as an enclosure for mine um it has a zip open complete side you can zip it all the way over to the opposite side as well um it has some rails across the top that cross one another so you could hang lights i mean that's what it's that those are for in the grow tent anyway is for hanging lights but it's a good place to feed stuff in or out um it's a uh, mylar or aluminized on the inside so if you want to maintain heat in there it's very easy it has uh, vent holes built in that you can open and close as well as um, velcroed inlet outlet vents so it, it just really is the perfect thing to put a printer in if you need something that's easy to build it's going to be durable you can move it around pack it up and uh, hide it away if you are no longer using it and they come in a ton of sizes it's just it really is the perfect thing yeah it's going to cost some money um you can do things less expensively but this just worked extremely well for me so that ended up being my enclosure and if you want to diy this you can go on youtube and just type in 3d printer enclosures and there is so many people that have craftly i mean just They've built their own PVC pipe and then they take the PVC pipe and then put plastic over it. I mean, you can do it super cheap. It doesn't have to be a super expensive thing. But if you want something you can just buy on eBay or on Amazon or whatever and you, you know it's going to work, that's the way to go, I think. Yeah, so uh, it, it, so if you can find Mylar, I, I want to say like Rolls maybe. Yeah, you just go to Home Depot, Lowe's, hardware store. PVC pipe is like among the cheapest things. The, and the thing I love about PVC pipe construction like that, you don't even need to glue it technically. 
all you need to do is just get it to fit together. It's not like you're going to be moving this thing around all the time. And then you just basically wrap it in the mylar. And and again, I don't think it needs to be a perfect thing. Just wrap it and then either staple it together or whatever. And then bang, you're done. Oh, definitely. Just, you know, and you can do any style of enclosure. Then you could do it with a built-in filament holder on the top or something. Um, personally, that's why I like my filament to come down straight from the top of my machine. Um, my enclosure has a wood top and then I've got multiple holes and a filament holder that can, right now I think I have eight things of filament on there and I just run them through there and they all just kind of hang in there. It looks kind of clustered, but it's easy just to look at the color and grab it. It takes two seconds and that's how I like to have it done. But it, and it's all in how much room you have, how much how much you want to build, or you know, and if you're only going to print one color, you know, then you're fine with the one filament holder thing. Yeah, and I'll say this: the only warning, the only warning that comes with this is if you do go on Amazon or website and you do buy one of these grow tents, you might be flagged. I'm just going to say uh, it's going to be one of those pieces of metadata that the federal government, I'm sure, is scanning for because people often use these type of grow tents to grow illegal substances in basements or garages. Becoming more legal all the day, all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm flagged all over because I've got <laughs> I bought so many um, outlet controllers, you know, uh, time <laughs> time ones. Uh, I've got, you know, the. Uh, the manual switched ones that I use to turn all my lights on and off here, as well as, oh gosh, there's so much stuff I've bought. A temperature control unit that I was going to put in here to to help with the ambient temperature. So, I mean, I'm sure they think you I've got well something You might as well have just going. bought some one-foot oh, lenses, yeah, yeah. steel pipe, and end caps. Well, the best part is, if they decide to raid your place, all they're going to find is 3D printed plastic <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah, they might be embarrassed. Very cool. And I will say, Chad, I think me and you are jiving on the filament thing. That That's my logic. See, my first idea was I could buy these side tables, these lack side tables, take one, flip it on its, flip it upside down, make that the bottom, then put one on top of it, have the legs basically joining. And that is the frame of the in of the in of, of the in um, closure and then just staple stuff to the outside of it. But that would give me a hard top surface in order to basically drill holes in and feed filament through the hole. I like the idea, and I keep thinking, having the filament above the printhead could possibly have it have the least amount of friction and maybe least amount of issues. Well, yes and no. Um, You might want to take a look at how your filament is fed into your machine. Um, I know on the CR10, it comes in from the side, um, as it's built, as it sits through the Bowden tube and stuff. Um, some of them come in from the top, some of them come in from the side. So you do have to take a look at that, you know, so you might end up putting something to the side of it and just doing it side instead of top, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, the one thing I want to add that I completely forgot. Okay. There is the... Creately CR-10 that has a, I want to say, 300 by 300 by 400 build volume area, which is 12 inches by 12 inches by 16 inches. But there's two other versions of this 
printer. Uh, there's the C, there's the CR10 S4, and then there's, there's and then there's the CR10 S5. They each are bigger. Um, the S4 I want to say was 400, 400, uh, 400 by 400 by 400, and then there's the CR55, uh, CR10 S5. That has an even bigger 500 by 500 by 500. That's 20 inches by 20 inches by 20 inches. Oh my goodness. I might have like size envy. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, those, those are all available from tiny machines 3d as well. Um, they, they are very expensive compared to the other, but I mean, still you can get a 20 by 20 by 20 build area in one of these for just over a grand, which is ridiculously affordable yeah now the question i have and this is one of my it might be a logical fallacy or it might be logically correct one of the things i almost worry about is the bigger the print bed the bigger the frame the bigger the size the more likely the more possibility of it not being built as rigid as solid and it might have a little bit of vibration a little bit of sway in the process i don't know how true that is I think that all comes down to the how it was engineered as far as build quality. Um, uh, so, I mean, for instance, on what you're getting, the the size of it shouldn't affect how wobbly it's going to be because the Z is just going up and down, and uh, the X that runs on the Z left and right, it's it's going to be shaking in the direction that it's most stable anyway. So... I it's it varies, but yeah, I mean, the, the larger they get, the more you could have these effects amplify if it's already a problem. So it's it, it may amplify problems that are inherent that you don't see in the smaller ones. I, I certainly an issue that could be a a problem, but it doesn't seem to be from all the reviews that are coming in. People are just ecstatic with the print quality on this thing because. If you look at it, you think, yeah, there's no way this is going to print nice. And then it just prints nice. Yeah. And and one thing I didn't, I, I forgot about, I want to say, is multiple pieces on this move. Okay. The printhead, the hot end, the, that moves in two directions, if I'm not mistaken. It moves sideways or up and down or and up and down. But the bed itself is moving from front to back correct yep your um the gantry which is the top or the where, where the um printer head is mounted that moves in the x and the z and then your table moves in the y yeah so i'm gonna guess because of a physics thing because you only have that moving in two directions it doesn't have to be as ridiculously rigid in because it doesn't have to worry about six dimensions or uh, six axes of movement, but only four. And like the up and down really shouldn't make it wobble. No, it shouldn't. I mean, from what I've seen of them things operating, they are well built with the extruded aluminum. And that's one benefit is you're getting, those things have pretty nice hardware for assembly. You're getting good bracketry and it's multiple points of us, of uh connection on the, uh, where you connect the top and the bottom. So you should be pretty good there. I mean, that's that should be good, rather than some of them I've seen with just tiny little L brackets that hold them together. Well, 
and I'm going to guess as long as the uh, FedEx guy or, or UPS guy doesn't like play uh, baseball with it. Well, I've I haven't heard too many of like problems with them coming. They they do a really nice job of packaging them because they're mostly assembled. It's just a few things you got to put together. And what's nice about that one too is you get the glass bed comes with it. Ooh, that's a huge plus right there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, a, a borosilicate plate that size uh, runs 30 bucks on average. Very cool, very cool. Um, Is there any other... And, I'm, Icky, now I'm going to say not hardware uh, 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 must-haves, but is there any other pieces of equipment that I should buy or uh, that you suggest would be smart investments but not necessarily things that you have to have? Well... For you, you don't need tools. This already includes all the tools that you need for working the machine and assembling and everything, but a toolkit. Um, a basic toolkit for your machine is to take it apart, reassemble it. Um, it's it's good to have a, um, a paint scraper, not a paint scraper, a, uh, a putty knife so you can remove film or remove your prints. Um, but again, your kit happens to come with that. And then I... I I don't use them. I don't like them, but a lot of people will get the drill bits, the super, super tiny drill bits to unclog the nozzles. Um, I've had horrible luck unclogging nozzles that way. And, and honestly, I just don't get clogs anymore because I've, I've, I've learned the process for preventing them or maybe I've just been extra lucky. But yeah, um, that's kind of the basics, I would say, for any printer. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with Liam on the clogging thing. I don't, I wouldn't bother getting the drill bits either. Uh, I tried it one time, didn't have good luck with it. And honestly, you really, if you understand the basics of how the clogging works, you'll never have a clog again. I mean, and and using decent quality filament. As long as you're not using uh, uh, certain people's filament, uh, I won't name names Go on ahead, the podcast. Name but, <laughs> uh, Maker Geeks uh, filament, then you are gonna be fine. Um, you know, and of course, also ever since I got uh, E3D uh, extruder, um, man, I I've never had one single issue at all. So uh, I think once you figure out why it clogs and the reason behind it, you'll n- and figure out what not to do on that, you'll never have a problem again. Yeah, going along with that, um, the the ba- the reasons I've had clogs is switching types of filament and not um, priming my you know pushing the filament through enough at the higher like if you go from ABS to PLA. You want to um, make sure you push all the filament through so that you're you're getting a clean filament through with the you know what from ABS to PLA. So you want to push the PLA through at the temperature you would normally print your uh, ABS at, because at the temperature you normally print PLA is so much lower that sometimes it'll stick to the sides of it and it'll eventually then break loose and then you'll have failed prints. So if you're switching from a filament that runs higher temperature, make sure you push through, clean out all that filament at that temperature that it's that your previous filament was ran at. That's my, been my biggest problem. And 
Another thing is don't let your filament sit in there at the high heat. You know, when you're prepping your, your, uh, prints, don't let it sit in there for a long time. You know, you know, 10, 15 minutes is fine, but you start getting into that half hour, hour mark, the plastic will start to, um, crystallize and harden in there and that will cause and it'll start to carbon up and stuff so you want to only have that preheating your your printer head as long as you need it to no don't just let it sit there and be hot for hours yeah you know you're talking about these things uh i don't know about you guys but just keep a bunch of print heads kicking around because uh like you guys said it's not worth cleaning them they're like five bucks for five of them or, or something thereabouts. So it, it it really isn't worth your time. The only reason I don't do that, um, keep a bunch of printer, the, the nozzles around is I tend to have to re reset my, um, I use an automatic bed leveling. So I have uh -huh. to go in there and change the parameters every so often. It, every time you change a print head or a nozzle, um, and I've never had to change my nozzle, you know, like totally throw away a nozzle because yet. And I, you know, well, it's almost been a year of printing and I haven't wrecked mine yet. It's just, I've gotten a few clogs, but that's just me being in a hurry, taking ABS out and trying to throw a PLA in and not getting all the ABS out, you know, before I start printing. Yeah. Um, purge hot, pull cold, and then don't preheat. Don't let it sit there and crystallize like he was saying um, a, a cold pool is where you let the filament cool down so you turn off the heat cartridge and you let it cool down to below its glass transition but still warm um, well not even necessarily it doesn't have to be below the glass transition but basically what you're doing is you're cooling it down so it's going to come out mostly solid as opposed to you're pulling it out and it comes out in strings or globs like it's still liquid and then what that'll do is ostensibly it's going to adhere to all the junk that's still inside the nozzle and you pull it out and so you'd pull it out and you you do that process the the purge hot cold pull until the cold pull comes out just clean and just showing what the inside of your nozzle looks like shape wise um that's really all the maintenance it takes i also don't like the drill bits for one they 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 break off really really easily um you could damage your nozzle and then i just don't like the idea of putting something inside the nozzle from that side to begin with, because now I might be introducing other contaminants or um, filament from the outside that's been baking on the outside of the nozzle for days, weeks, months. Well, yeah, the drill thing, I don't think they should even suggest that for people. I mean, if you're going to maybe poke a wire or something that's that size, maybe. But drilling, um, you run the risk of oblonging, you know, ovaling out your extruder your nozzle and there is a science to how much the extruder is kicking out to the diameter of your nozzle and if you make that nozzle bigger then you're not going to get the same filament fill on your uh, on your uh, prints and you're going to start getting weird globage and different things on your your prints yeah, and I don't care what kind of nozzle you have. You know, they say these hardened nozzles, you know, all metal, whatever. You put a drill bit in, and you are shaving off. A, I mean, you look in there with an eye loop, whatever, you're going to see shavings on that drill bit. 
Yeah, and that's my logic. Metal, metal, you're going to at least minimum cause in cause like in per in per affections. Granted, they might be really small, but I, I remember when Rich first got his printer, the one thing he kept having was like uh, it. I don't want to say sticking, but it, like getting caught in the nozzle and just didn't sound like fun. And all of this stuff to me sounds almost like a technique thing. Like you can tell somebody however many times you want how to hit a baseball, but like until they stand in the batter's box, have the pitches come to them, they really don't know the finer touches of what to do. So it sounds like this is the kind of thing where I'm literally going to have to ruin a couple prints or whatever in order to get like the timing down, the sensitivity down, the balancing act of doing that kind of stuff right. <laughs> couple prints. That's well, funny. <laughs> yeah, I was going there too, man. Okay. Uh, hopefully less than a couple months. Oh, you're going to have failed prints. Trust me. And that's I, all part of learning. That's just going to happen. I could show you bags of <laughs> failed prints I have. And, I mean, I've thrown away bags of failed prints. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. It's just going to happen. And it's either going to be for one reason or another. They're never the same thing, you know, all the time. I mean, they are going to be uh, multiple reasons, but, I mean, it all depends on the print. Each print has its own, you know, challenges. And you'll learn them, and you'll figure them out, and you'll be like, okay, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. So, yeah, you know, and I was thinking back, you know, we're talking about um, clogged nozzles and all that. And when I started out with my Wanho, um, you know, I honestly only had a clogged, actual clogged nozzle maybe twice and where I had to take the whole entire thing apart. But other than that, it just, you know, you figured it out. You heated it up to like 230 or whatever and pushed it, pushed the um, filament through. You know, you let it, if you let heat up for, I don't know, I think the, the trick was if you think it's a clog, heat it to 230 or above, let it sit for five minutes, and then, you know, start pushing a... Um, piece of wire or something through to get it uh going and it'll eventually pop right through but i mean you just got to be patient yeah along the lines of all this stuff um there's things that you should buy and there's things that i think that people waste their money on um like for me i invest in a couple um side cutters flesh flush side cutters you know the small ones the mini ones um, and invest in small wrenches for taking the filament, the nozzles apart and stuff, you know, um, the ones that they come with the kit are just like a stamped out piece of tin. They're really flimsy. Um, I went and bought some wrenches and I ground them down so that they fit in there, you know, in every spot, but there, there's just little things, and you're not going to need a lot of those when you first start, but you'll figure out soon enough that you need them eventually. So for me, what I, I've i got spare nozzles, spare barrels, and spare fans. I have none of that stuff. I have spare fans just because they come on other things, but I don't have a spare nozzle or anything. 
Hey, and I'll tell you why. The the fans, you can get them like the 40 millimeter fan, muffin fan, you can get at Radio Shack probably for 10 bucks. But for like two bucks, I got three on Amazon from China and it took like six weeks to get here. Right. But I think you, you don't want to. I think what we're getting at is what Dor should look at getting before he picks up, before his printer even comes. Um, because that's kind of the stage he's at. Um, I wouldn't go buy painters tape, right? And I wouldn't go buying. Yep, glue sticks. Um, whatever bed surface you want to use, I use Captain tape. Um, and some people just use blue painters tape and glue stick or whatever. Um, buy some hairspray, you know, whatever. Don't buy Um, hairspray. (laughs) I use the hairspray every so often if I've got a big white, a big part that. If it's failed, everything else has failed. I know what's going to stick with that. Yeah. Um, on on what you're getting, I would say go with glue stick. Um, just Elmer's purple disappearing glue stick works great. You shouldn't need any of the other stuff if you're just starting out with PLA and you have a good good level. Um, besides tools, uh, it's nice to have a replacement fan on hand or in your Amazon if you can go a day or two without printing. Um, but otherwise, that that's really mostly it. Um, you might consider a battery backup if you're going to be oh, printing yeah. long, long prints. But most people start out with little things to wet their whistle and, and figure out the printer. So now the problem with the battery backup is you got to buy one that's sufficient to supply the amps you're going to draw with the heating elements. Which generally on most machines is under 400 watts with everything wide open. <laughs> right. I'm not going there. Right. Um, I just, what I did, and I went the cheap road, as I went to Walmart and bought a cheap um, battery backup surge protector system. And basically all that gives me is about 15 minutes. It'll still print for about 15 minutes, which gives me enough time to run, change my fuse, throw a breaker, whatever I need to do. Um, and it's, I've had a few um surges my house is older and it's the wiring is crappy and i've had a few surges where before i got the battery back up it blew my raspberry pi up and screwed up the print i was working with and that was irritating so i went to walmart and just picked up i don't think i even spent 40 dollars on it so you if it's just for that you know know what you're getting it for but if you're going to be printing 20 hour prints you know yeah, get something that's going to be a good backup if you can afford it. Definitely go as big as you can. Yeah, if you're next to a very reliable grid and you might have 15 seconds here and there, just get a cheapo from Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, wherever. That'll just keep it running until you know, things come back on. But if you're doing multi-day prints and you have crappy power, you probably want to build a, uh, a better one with some marine batteries and such. Um, but Chad did bring up another thing. How are you planning on printing? Are you going to bring a machine out and tether to it? Are you going to be printing via G-code on an SD card? Or are you going to use uh, Octoprint? Because if you're going to be using Octoprint, you can get yourself an RPI. True, yeah. I, well, I'll say um, real quick. First, the um, uh, flush cutters for the uninitiated, it's almost like a pair of pliers, but one side of them are sharp. Um, I really, I, honestly, I don't think I've ever even seen that tool before, Chad. So I'm going to definitely buy me one of those tools because I could definitely see how it could come in useful uh, alone just for the wires and stuff. 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw a photo of the pair I have. They're wonderful. I picked them up on uh, on Amazon. Uh, I'll see if I can grab a link for them as well. And then uh, if, if you take a look at the Instagram, I've just updated uh, a box, literal box full of just failure. Yeah, um, with the side cutters or whatever you want to call them. We call them dikes around here. I don't know, mini dikes, but diagonal cutters. Um, y- your kit's going to come with one, I think. Most kits, most of these kits do come with all the tools you would need to assemble it if, you know, say you don't have a screwdriver. It comes with a crappy screwdriver. But buy extras. You will want them. <laughs> Trust me. They, they they fall. They get chipped. They don't cut right after a while. Just buy extras. They're only a few bucks, especially if you buy them on Amazon or whatever. And then with the nozzle thing, if you're buying a kit printer... Do not buy a nozzle until you receive your printer because they don't always come with the same uh, nozzle or hot end that is labeled in the information on eBay or whatever. Make sure you're getting the right one because there is a few different styles of the nozzle. And I know like the one I got is different than somebody else I know that got the exact same printer but he's got a different hot end than I've got and a different nozzle. So, you know, they just source out the cheapest stuff. So if you're buying cheap, be prepared for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hey, I also want to say that you definitely should get, if you're buying multiple rolls of filament, like I think you were talking about that you were going to get some a bunch of filament, uh, that you should definitely buy uh, one of the sealed... Um, like Tupperware, well, not Tupperware, but sealed uh, totes. Uh, you can get them real cheap. They have a sealed lid that clamps down um, to put your filament in, or just uh, make sure you have the bags. When you open up the bags, reseal them with the desiccant in there um, because uh, you don't want to leave them out for too long, especially if you have uh, a certain amount of humidity uh, uh, where you live. All right, I got a question on that. One, uh, one gallon uh, Ziploc bags were good for that. The other is uh, PETG and PLA. Do they absorb water? Because I have had zero issue with that. It uh, seems I've had issues with my PLA. Hmm. Sorry, Liam. Um, I've had uh, issues with my PLA on occasion when I've left it out. But of course, once again, th- you know, thinking about that. Th- it's been kind of uh, crappy PLA, so it could be just the PLA, but there is a certain amount of uh, humidity uh, in Oregon here, and um, I just fixed it. I put uh, some desiccant and do a what I was using was just um, a gallon size Ziploc uh, freezer bag, throwing the filament in there with a bag of desiccant, uh, squ- try to squish out as much air as you can. And uh, you don't have to vacuum seal it. You just need to get a certain amount of air out, and uh, it'll uh, activate uh, that desiccant. Because if you just uh, seal it without pushing any air out, it's not going to do any good. Yeah, um, it seems all filaments are hydrophobic in um, hydroscopic. Sorry, hydroscopic mm-hmm. in some sense, but nylon is especially so. Um, I've had some PLAs that. Are worse than others. I, I mean, I'm in Texas. 
I, it, it tends to be a little more humid here. I, I think you're probably in the same boat, Rich. Um, something else, when I went to get the picture of those uh, flush cutters that I realized that I use all the time that I didn't even think about was a pair of tweezers. You don't want to touch your hot end. It is hot. It's right there in the name. Uh, but you're constantly going to want to be picking boogers and uh, filament off of there as prints start or complete. Um, so a cheapo pair of tweezers and get yourself some 70, 90, 96, 99% alcohol, isopropanol, or isopropyl for cleaning your bed. So you'll Windex it to get all whatever goo off, and then after the Windex, you would hit it with some isopropyl to get it that squeaky, squeaky clean in order to either print directly on the glass or to apply your glue stick. Yeah, uh, the Windex works awesome for getting the glue stick off. Um, as soon as you spray it on, it turns purple again, and you wipe it off. And then, like Liam says, spray on the alcohol, wipe it down really good, and you're ready to start all over again. Um, I'd go that way because all the others um, options are the next level, if per se. I mean, not really. I mean, it just depends on what you decide you want to go with. And uh, then you can decide you can try out, you know, I'm running some PEI tape right now. Um, but I'm honestly thinking about going uh, kept on tape uh, like Chad and Liam have been doing. That sounds like an interesting task. Uh, I did run glue stick. I have not ran hairspray. And I have not uh, ran the, um, the tape. But, uh, yeah, no, those are both good. And I was also going to tell you guys, I just picked up, I had, I was going through our pantry the other day and found my, an old, um, uh, food, uh, saver, uh, sealer system, you know, for, uh, sealing your, uh, food up. And I've got a whole roll of, uh, of, uh, of, you know the bags and so i'm gonna use that to uh, seal my uh filament rolls so that should be pretty nice oh that's a cool idea oh yeah just vacuum pack them that's that's a really good idea yeah yeah i mean it seemed well it's just sitting there collecting dust so i was like oh i might as well put this to good use and you can find them really cheap nowadays so you know something to think about and if you don't have or don't want one of those you can get those bags uh space, space bags. Safe, yeah the space bags that you use a vacuum on to get the seal, but I mean, you can even just squeeze all the air out, and it doesn't got to be a perfect vacuum. As long as you got some desk in there, you're good to go. Um, I've dropped a link here in the chat. This is where I found the um, rechargeable deskant. Um, okay, oh, really quick, De deskant, I believe, is what is what is like in a lot of like uh, packs of stuff. The little packet says "Do not eat," right? The pill bottles, yeah. Yeah, it's silica gel. It uh, It's extremely hydro hydroscopic and sucks up the moisture. Um, I found these EVA Dry E333 renewable ones for like 15 bucks. You run it till it shows that it's wet, and then you plug it in with the built-in uh, wall wart on it. It dries them out and resets itself. They're good for 10 years, it says. And even this little $15 one, is um, it's designed to be used in a 333 uh, cubic foot area, so it's more than able to handle a tiny little box of filament. 
Yeah, they use them for gun safes uh, a lot. Uh, they have them at Cabela's. I've seen them lots of many different gun uh, places, so you can find those things anywhere. In fact, I was going to pick one up myself. Yeah, that's my next purchase. It's in my Amazon cart. Now when I get some money, I'll buy one. <laughs> well, I got to say, guys, we have a... If links had weight to them, this podcast would cost a lot of money to ship. That's all I'm going to say. Um, we have a hell of a lot of really good links in this show. I cannot encourage people enough. Look at the notes. Look at the notes. L- look at the notes. Um, really good information. I really like um, you know, where I'm at. I'm literally uh, Agent Orange. Everyone's heard of Agent Orange. The world's largest storage facility of Agent Orange where it used to be, it's like three miles from my house. I live by a pretty decent sized army base where they test all, um, uh, how do they phrase it? Incendiary devices. So when I take off of work, sometimes I hear like for hours, explosions off in the distance. Uh, so I'm actually on pretty good power. I've been here for about a decade. One time I've been without power for more than an hour. Uh, all the rest of the times where I have power outages, it's literally just a flicker, just a flick out. So initially, I'm not stressed about a battery backup. That, to me, is one of the things I I will end up getting. But also, I think initially, I'm just going to SD card it for the first at least couple prints just so I can see what it's like, so I can see how it's done kind of thing. And then I see myself getting the uh, Octoprint, the Raspberry Pi, the other things kind of set up. Um, I do like the idea of also the Tupperware container that you set, Aaron, like a big, huge like storage container. I want to look at that. But this rechargeable uh hydroscopic thing i think is frigging genius so then you can basically just put stuff in bags put the packets in the bags and you really don't have to worry about it and the one thing i did here i've only watched a couple videos on 3d 3d um 3d printing it does seem like one of the worst ones to um be ruined because of moisture seems to be nylon so to me i want to start out with the most forgiving filament as possible and then go towards uh, things that can be ruined, uh, you know, uh, because of accidents. Yeah, and the other reason, you know, that we didn't mention as well, but I I think we all pretty much, uh, or you should realize, is that the main reason for resealing your your bags of filament and, you know, when you're not using them, whether it be, you know, any more then a couple days left out, you you probably want to reseal them. But the main reason is so you get consistency on your prints. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times that, you know, starting out where, you know, I was printing really good and then all of a sudden nothing was working right. Well, it was the filament, you know. Yeah, I think filament's probably going to be everybody's number one failure point. Either you're going to find a deal, supposedly, I'm putting up air quotes, um, a deal online where you get super cheap filament, and it turns out to be super cheap for a reason. But that doesn't mean that all inexpensive filament is bad filament. We've, well, we, we all use the Zealtech and stuff, and that seems to be very good quality at a respectable price i mean it's very very economical i got a claim to be like the filament barbarian i'm printing in my garage most of the time with the garage door open 
in South Florida. And probably I have not had issues with humidity on the filaments I've been printing. And uh, for the majority of the filaments, I've been using the eSun PLA and the eSun PETG. And uh, no issues with, with the humidity on that. Uh, probably the thing that I'm more concerned about is because I'm on a dirt road is uh, dust. And, and I was thinking about uh, putting something, you know, some sort of wiper or cleaner on the filament, like a sponge, just so it gets cleaned off as it, before it gets into the printhead. My thought on that is just keep it clean in the first place. Don't let it sit out if it's not being used. Yeah, but sometimes you can't control your, you know, especially like if you're in a garage or you just have a outdoor shop type deal. Um, yes, I've I've seen that people do that and they have very good success with it. Um, it they're not hard to make or print out holders. It's if you have an issue with it, definitely look into it. But like I'm, mine's in my house. I, it's not too dusty in my house, so. I don't know. I'm in town. I don't have, you know, I'm not on a gravel road or anything. So I don't really think I have to worry about it. So I've never looked into it. Well, I mean, you, you got to have a couple ammo cans floating around, right, Rich? Just cut a hole in there, put a, uh, mount the spool in there and close it up. And God, you don't have to worry yeah, about yeah. no dust or anything. I am more and more thinking about doing something like that. Well, like what I did is my, um, on top of my printer, I've got, my filament holder, which holds a bunch of filaments, and I just leave them up there all the time, but I have a container over the top of it and a bunch of desiccant inside the container, and it's been working fine, um, but I am really looking into getting that thing Liam was talking about, the self-charging or whatever, desiccant. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll say the one thing that Liam... Go ahead, Rich. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, I, I was just agreeing, and uh, I, I've been thinking about doing something. I, even though I haven't had an issue recently, um, I'm probably doomed. Well, to me, it's like one of those things, it's only a matter of time, especially because yep. somebody mentioned it. <laughs> More so. No, I was just uh, saying that, you know, my printer's in my garage, um, but I we don't have, we don't live on a gravel road or anything, and uh, I... I'm definitely going to look at getting that enclosure uh, like uh, Liam purchased. Uh, it's a good deal because um, the enclosure, I have an enclosure and I want to put it in that, but it is going to be a very snug fit, and I'm not sure. It's going to be one of those things where you fit the printer in and then everything goes on the outside. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. I might just try to do it that way. Um, and then... Uh, I have, so if you look on that one link that Liam posted, uh, the filament storage, if you scroll down, the tote that uh, they're talking about or showing pictures of is the exact same tote I have, uh, the Ziploc tote that has the seal around it. You can get them really cheap. Um, and uh, that's what works really good for me. And then if you got that... Uh, rechargeable uh, desiccant uh, cartridge. Those two things right there, you'd never have an issue. Yeah, I've got to look into a little better keeping mine dry because we're getting into summer here up in North Dakota, and it gets super humid up here in the summer. So I can, I think today we're sitting at 90%. 
at 90 degrees outside. It was horrible. Gotcha, gotcha. And then the one thing that Liam says is an absolute must-have is digital calipers. Um, I know of uh, no way to uh, describe this except for uh, it looks like, a, for me, being from a, a, a uh, architecture-type background, it almost looks like a T-square that's broke in the middle that you can slide back and forth, and it's a digital measuring device. So a lot of people, I think, believe all they got to do is just go to Thingiverse, download stuff, hit print, and you're done. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone finds out sooner or later that's not the way to do it. You're going to have to do tweaks. You're going to have to sometimes create at least basic stuff from scratch. So to have a digital caliber, cal, 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 caliper, caliper, yeah, is the way to get accurate measurements. You cannot pull out a frigging ruler and measure things. You need these kind of devices. And if you ever, and if you go look at the picture and you will say, oh yeah, I've seen these in like, dare I say the Brady bunch. I think Mr. Brady had one sitting at his table. So door, how much you spend on yours? Um, I honestly went to Home Depot. I want to say they were maybe 25 bucks. I, I think I got nearly the identical version. I think it was just the name was different for 10 bucks from Amazon. Yeah, and you don't need to spend a lot of money on a caliper. Um, but there's a few things you want to look for when you're getting one. Make sure it reads metric and SAE, you know, standard inches. Um, that way... You know, you can convert with, because <laughs> a lot of the stuff is done in metric. Get used to metric. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I got to chime in. I, I spent $19 uh, at Amazon, so no bargain, really. But there was another point that Dor made when he brought up the Thingiverse. <laughs> Lots of times on Thingiverse, those are just STLs that nobody has printed. They just designed them. Um so they don't always work so they're don't think everything you get off of thingiverse is going to work yeah dare i say like ebay you can't just type in something in ebay click and buy you need to look at the seller you need to look at the ratings and the reviews in thingiverse one of the to me the key indicators is i look and i see if they have real pictures and not just like screenshots of stls but actual printout pictures to me that's the first indicator that this could be really good then you have to just look at the rest of it and does it all look right because you will find there are people on thingiverse that do a hell of a lot of really good work and then you might notice names that pop up a lot where all they do is just design stuff and upload design stuff and upload well yeah. i think the other thing is makes <laughs> When you see people, yeah, the comments in the makes, like that, that to me is if I'm looking at something and I'm considering printing it, that definitely look at the comments. You just want to make sure, because I've had, you know, like Chad says, you just, you want to make sure uh, if there's something that you're, you like, you're interested in, go ahead and download. It's not going to hurt anything, but just remember that once you print it out, uh, you know, good 75% of the time, it's not going to be exactly the size. And it's not going to be your printer's problem. It's going to be the STL. And I think that's a whole nother show is talking about the altercations you need to make to Thingiverse files. Like, I don't know if I've ever gotten anything off of Thingiverse that I've just printed as it sits. I do 
I might have a custom application for it or something. I want to add a connector or I want to add something to it. So that's that's a whole down the road thing though, but we'll get to it, I think. Yeah, the the majority of items I've printed on Thingiverse, uh, I've usually done some sort of a remix of it. And uh, like I've mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot of the items used like some 13 millimeter extruded aluminum tube. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that stuff's crazy expensive. And 10 feet of half inch EMT is uh, under four bucks. So I've redesigned a lot of stuff to use that, which uh, half inch EMT, the OD is 18 millimeters. And I think that's when we start getting into our software, when we start talking about software, what you need and stuff, you know, that's where we'll get into that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll say uh, yet again, we went nearly two hours. Um, I will say for the newest of the newest of the newest user, I really highly, highly encourage you listen to each episode more than once or pause a lot in the episode in, in each show, go to the notes, click the links, see what we're talking about when we're talking about um, there. And here's the whole thing. As much information as we've unloaded on these two shows, we could have stretched out to 15 shows, but we still have easy 100 shows worth of content coming. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you if everybody had a look at our documents and stuff and what I even haven't haven't even posted yet, so I just don't I don't think we're there yet. So yeah, there's more content to come. Hey, Dor. Um, and how do people access the notes? Obviously, they can go to the website and find them, but what they might not know is your podcatcher also has those, right? Yeah, everything that downloads an episode also has the notes. They might not be easy to figure out, but on most, at least mobile podcatchers, you basically just click on the show itself and just keep clicking on either the album art of the show or just clicking, keep clicking in the show itself and the notes will reveal themselves. Uh, and I'm honestly wanting to, or you just go to podcast.com shows the makers and pick the show, but I'm also trying to find out. And I'm just saying this because if somebody out there can help, it'll be, or has an idea would help. I want to find a WordPress plugin that someone can come to a website, click on a show, click subscribe. And every time there's a new show, basically get an email of the notes. I know there has to be something out there. I just don't know the correct verbiage to find it as a WordPress plugin, but that's the kind of thing where I think would be helpful to everybody. Definitely, definitely. And the last thing, and probably one of the most important things you're going to need with any printer is patience. Lots and lots of patience. I thought you were going to say garbage pail. Yeah, you're going to need patience and a box to put your failed prints in. Or a big garbage can. I mean, I don't know. I save all my failed prints. Do you guys? Pretty much. Uh, unless I'm absolutely certain it's garbage. I Yeah, everything is saved. Like that, that photo. Well, I've got stuff I've thrown away just because it ended up in the box with little bits of scraps here and there. But over the last several months, everything in that picture is just failure or stuff that doesn't meet the cut and has been saved. Because without fail, somebody comes in and says, oh, you print. And then I'll bring the box over and they're like, oh, my God. And I say, hey, you want some of this? Please get rid of it. And, you know, they'll, they'll take it or the kids love playing with the little things. Yeah, I'm saving stuff. Why? I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'm hoping for some somebody we know to, you know, start making their own filament and we'll send it to him. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. 
I think you're pointing at me. But that is in the process. I just finally got a motor I think can handle the grinding and stuff, so I'm working on it. Hey, I'll send you all my filament. Time for rainbow filament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as long as you pay for the shipping, go ahead. Just send it book rate. Book rate. I'm serious. Yeah, you can send stuff book rate. It's stupid cheap and slow. That's how we sent stuff for uh, for the military a lot. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Interesting. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, Aaron, do you have any uh, parting words? Parting words. You know, you anybody that listens to this, beginner, intermediate, whatever, you can find any of us. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on G+. Uh, hit me up. Ask me any questions. I'll be happy to help you out. 3D printing related. Very cool. Come mow your lawn. Very cool, very cool. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, no. He, he might water it, but, you know. Uh, um, hey, uh, Chad, do you have any uh, parting words? Um, yeah, just uh, keep experimenting and, uh, you know, and you can. I do have a YouTube channel of Watch My DIY. Um, I don't know. It's nothing spectacular, but I post things up there fairly regularly. Um, then I am fairly easy to get a hold of, I guess. I don't know. Very cool. Uh, Rich? Yeah, um, you can find all of my social media at flyingrich.com, and uh, I usually post on YouTube one to two times a week, and uh, a lot of my content lately has been three printing stuff. Very cool, very cool. Uh, Jonas? I just uh, keep making stuff, and um, pay attention to the notes here because there's a lot, a lot of good information. I am posting my things at uh, bambiker at, I'm sorry, bambiker.tumblr.com. So you can see some stuff over there. And that's about it. Have a good weekend and enjoy all the 3D printing. Very cool. And uh, there were at least a couple more tools that were in the notes that weren't mentioned on the show. There will be links to them as well. I encourage you guys to browse them, look at them, and see what they are. Uh, Liam, any uh, Liam? First off, I'm going to say, was it me, or did this almost turn into an episode of Nuts at Night when uh, Chad started to talk about things that he didn't like? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that. I do. I but remember if, this if, shift, and I it was like it was like a Titanic ship turning. If it happened, it's something I definitely like. Exactly. Uh, do you have any uh, parting words? Um, just find something that motivates you, and get one of these programs and start designing. Very cool. Uh, if you want to send us an email, just send it to the makers, M-A-K-E-R-Z, the makers at podnuts.com. If you want to send us a voicemail, 7076-PODNUT. Uh, if you would like to join us in conversation, there's multiple places and ways to do that. All you got to do is go to podnuts.com or just check out the notes. Uh, the Instagram um, account will be loaded in there. We also have a Thingiverse uh, thing. I'm going to make sure that's in there as well. Um, Brett will be back next week. Uh, he's a young entrepreneur busting his hump, trying to get everything done. So when he has time, he will be here. And with that, I will just tell everyone, whatever you do, don't forget, build it, break it, and learn. <laughs>